Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney, founder of IRA Financial. On today's episode, we're going to be chatting and I'm going to be talking about IRA transfers and rollovers, audit risks and self-directed IRAs, and fix and flips and self-directed IRAs. Three superb questions, two from social media and one from uh, an individual from Maryland. So Without further ado, let's rock and roll and get started. So the first question of today's ad mail is from Harold W. of Silver Springs, Maryland. And I know Harold. Harold wants to know, what is the difference between an IRA transfer and an IRA rollover? So it's pretty simple. Transfers are between IRAs. So IRA to IRA, Roth to Roth, that's a transfer. A rollover is when an IRA gets moved to a 401k or a 403b or 457 or a defined benefit plan non-IRA to non-IRA, or when a 401k, 403b, 457 gets moved to an IRA. So rollovers are still tax-free. You can still do direct or indirect. A direct rollover can be done on a limited amount of times, just like a direct transfer. An indirect rollover, just like an indirect transfer, that occurs when the funds get transferred to the IRA owner before they get transferred to the future retirement account. That can only be done once every 12 months. And when you have those funds, you can only hold them for 60 days. So it's a 60 day indirect rollover. You got to return them within 60 days or it's taxable and subject to a 10% penalty if you're under uh, the age of 59 and a half. And it only can be done once every 12 months for all your IRAs in the aggregate. So transfers have to be between IRAs and rollovers means that it's an either an IRA and another retirement account. That's it. Pretty much the same thing. You can call transfers, rollovers, rollovers, transfers. It doesn't really matter. It's not a legal term that needs to be um, used um, you know, wholly uh, correctly. It really means the same thing. Just technically a transfer is between IRAs and a rollover is between an IRA and, and a non-IRA, like a 401k. So Harold, great question. Thank you for submitting. Second question comes from LinkedIn. And this individual wants to know, why is the IRS... What, why is the IRS risks, what is the audit, IRS audit risk of doing a self-directed IRA? So why, what is the IRS audit risk of doing a self-directed IRA? Sorry, I can't talk. Uh, the question is why is the IRS audit risk, but I just changed it to what is the IRS audit risk of doing a self-directed IRA? So interesting enough, there is no IRS audit division. Okay, so there's not an IRA audit division. There is for 401ks under the, the DOL, but there's no specific IRS IRA audit division. IRAs are audited under the small business, the SBSC, Small Business Self-Employed Audit Division. So generally IRS audits are done through someone's individual tax return. More likely than not, if the individual is over the age of 72, means required minimum distribution age. Why? Because the IRS wants to make sure that the individual is reporting the RMD correctly and the value is correct, especially if the assets and alternative assets like real estate or private stock, they wanna make sure that you're reporting the fair market value 
of that asset because the RMB amount is based off the fair value of the asset. So generally that's when audits occur. They go through the 1040 or individual tax return. And through there, especially if you're over 72, they, they may come in and inquire about the IRA activity. It's very, very, very rare that an IRA just gets audited, okay? I've been doing this 12 so years, I have 20,000 plus clients. Um, I've never seen a specific IRA audit, okay? And I have friends and colleagues in this industry. It's super, super, super rare. Um, and in fact, it's not just me making it up. There's a government accountability office report uh, from last year basically saying, hey, we need more help. We have very low resources. Our IRS agents don't have enough information on prohibited transactions on UBIT. Um, we only have a three-year statute of limitation. The Build Back Better bill attempted to move the three to six years, but that never passed. So not a lot of time, three years. And there's a lot of complexity, right? We know from 4975 and the prohibited transaction rules, it's a lot of gray areas, okay? So it's not just clean cut if someone does a prohibited transaction. Some cases it's obvious, right? If you take your IRA and just buy yourself a Mercedes and use it, it's pretty much a prohibited transaction, right? Or if you take your IRA and just use it to pay your credit card bill, uh, after 60 days, it's a taxable distribution. But there's gray areas. Let's say you're investing in a, um, in a business where you own 25% or you're commingling, you're investing 80,000 IRA and 20,000 personal in a real estate deal. Prohibited transaction? Maybe, maybe not, right? There's facts and circumstances. So it's a very difficult audit. Um, that's number one. Number two, um, very low chance of success, right? Probably 90% of all IRA investors are invested in traditional stuff like stocks and mutual funds. So very low chance to find anything. And even in the alternative space, it's complex. You actually have to find a proven transaction. You have to be able to identify it and you have to stay within that three-year range of the statute. Plus, it's also a you know, policy initiative. Do you, does the IRS really wanna be going after people's retirement accounts? Unless it's super obvious and egregious and abusive, you know, how aggressive do you wanna go after people's IRAs, right? So it doesn't look great from a public relations standpoint. So those are pretty much the areas and the, the reasons why that IRAs are just not focused on from an audit standpoint. There's again, no specific IRS audit division, that's number one. Um, there's also, there needs to be some, um, I, I would say, joint venture with the DOL who um, that actually has jurisdiction over private transactions, but the IRS is the one that uh, pursues them and audits them. So there needs to be some coordination or joint undertaking with the DOL and IRA. And they're complex, um, not slam dunks, and only have three years. So for all those reasons, that's why IRAs especially self-directed IRAs are not involved in many IRS audits. Um, if you're over 72, you do wanna make sure that you are properly valuing your IRAs because um, you could have an agent kind of poke around your 1040. The next question on today's ad mail is from YouTube. And this individual wants to know, how many fix and flips can I do in a self-directed IRA before I will trigger the UBIT tax? So let's just break this down. So what's the UBIT tax? unrelated business income tax gets triggered in an IRA in three ways. One, use non-recourse loan to buy real estate. Non-recourse loan means a loan you do not personally guarantee, okay? Number two, use margin to buy stock, non-recourse loan to buy stock. And thirdly, you invest in an active trader business like a hotel or a bar, restaurant, and that 
establishment generates more than $1,000 of net income allocated to the IRA. And that business is set up as a pass-through entity, like an LLC, not a C-Corp. 99.9% .9 of all publicly traded companies like Facebook or Meta, Netflix or C-Corps. So that's why 90% of Americans never have to deal with UBIT. And you, good reason that you may be listening or watching this and saying, well, what the heck is UBIT? Never heard of this thing. It's okay, good reason. The only three instances it gets triggered in an IRA is non-recourse loan to buy real estate, non-recourse margin loan to buy stock, or invest in an active trader business through a pass-through entity like an LLC. That's why if you invest in publicly traded securities or mutual funds or ETFs, you're not going to have to deal with UBIT. But if you invest in a private startup that's an LLC, or if you use non-recourse loan to acquire real estate, and there is an exemption for 401k. So if you are self-employed or have a small business with no full-time employees, you can always move from an IRA to a 401k and be exempted from the UBIT tax on the acquisition of debt of the use of indebtedness for the acquisition of uh, real estate, which is a very nice and attractive feature of the solo 401k versus the IRA. But back to the question at hand, why do we care about how many fix and flips? Well, the idea is on one end, one fix and flip is probably passive, right? On the other side, 15 or 20 fix and flips, the IRS may argue you're a business, right? It looks like inventory, you're fixing and flipping homes, just like Walmart sells t-shirts or, or um, cereal at a grocery store, that's inventory to a business. So what's the number? Well, I'm going to give you the, um, the CYA lawyer answer. There's no number, okay? It's not just, hey, once you pass this number, you're in the UBIT world. It doesn't exist like that. There's case law. There's a number of factors the IRS would look at. Like number one, your intent, frequency, the time between fix and flips. How much improvements are you doing? Are you just buying it and selling it? Are you actually spending money on improving it? All these factors would play in to determine whether your activities rise to the level of a trader business. Now, it's probably more than one, right? But, you know, probably between one and six or seven a year, probably the sweet spot. I highly doubt that if the IRS looks at your activity and you fix and flip three homes in a year, they're going to argue you're a business, especially in your IRA. But again, there's factors they look at like intent, frequency, uh, duration between fix and flips, your um, amount you spend on the fix and flip, and also what you do personally. You know, if you're a doctor versus a real estate developer, those are the kind of things they'll look at. Uh, one factor may not be more valuable than the other in, in this analysis, but it goes to the overall summation of each factor. Does it equal a trader business or does it look like a passive activity? So I generally tell clients, if you're under four or five a year, you're fine. Like, don't sweat it. If you're doing five or six plus, you really want to think about those factors like frequency, intent. Um, here's a tip. Do a fix and flip. Um, put it in, in stocks or do something else with it till you find a new investment, right? Or don't put all your money in fix and flips. Maybe take 90% and do fix and flips and do 5% in cryptos or 5% in stocks, whatever it is. So this way you can show fix and flips part of your investment strategy. It's not your business, right? So if you work with IRA Financial, we have some, some tips that we can help you navigate these rules to make sure that if the IRS does look at you, you have some good support to show that you're 
fix and flip activity will not rise to a level of a trader business. But again, there's no guarantee and there's no specific number. It's not like you pass five and you're in the UBIT world, or if you're under five, you're in the passive world. A lot of different facts and circumstances at play. And that's why I think it's super important to work with um, experts when setting up self-directed IRAs, especially if you'd be doing a lot of fix and flips, you want to protect yourself, make sure you've, you've kind of have everything covered, all your bases covered, and that you are considering all the necessary items based off case law to protect yourself and your investments from the application you know, of the UBIT tax. So there you go. Great question, actually. I could probably do a whole podcast just on that question, but that's it. So really appreciate you guys um, listening and watching. Uh, I got some amazing questions in queue. So definitely check out um, each week AdMail, which drops every Thursday. If you have questions, you can email them to info at Financial. Just put in AdMail or ask Adam and they'll get to me. Um, I also do a YouTube live every Wednesday, which I tackle um, super, I think, interesting current event type self-directed retirement topic, or sometimes I'll just go old school, like tips for setting up self-directed IRA. I'm going to do one eventually on control groups, um, kind of mix and match them, what, what kind of I'm feeling, what clients are asking for. So check it out. It's every Wednesday at noon Eastern time. But don't worry if you miss it, just subscribe to our YouTube channel, IRA Financial, and you can check it out anytime or even get notified when I go live. So um, that's it. I also have two other podcasts, Add Bits, and that drops every Tuesday, and Adam Talks, which drops every Wednesday. Um, if you're into the self-directed retirement world, um, some really good content that you know I put a lot of uh, work and effort in. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, otherwise, have a great day. Thanks for um, spending some time with me today, and uh, do it again next week. Take care. Thank you.